Hey, uh, today is part three of our stewardship series. One of the things we love to do here in this community is we love to take seriously what the scriptures have to tell us about how to live our lives. And so this has been the, the journey for the month of August. We've been looking at how do we live in response to Psalm 24 verse 1. Psalm 24 verse 1. Does anyone know what it says? Gold star to you, Dave. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If that is true, how do we live in response to that reality? Well, the answer is stewardship. We are handling the gifts of the abundant giver who has given us so much. And we are handling those things. Stewardship. And so, today we are going to be finishing our series. We have been looking at money for the last two weeks pretty robustly. And today uh, I'm handing over the duties to Natalie. Now, some of you will not know who she is. Let me just take a moment to introduce her to you. Natalie uh, was with our team last year as she studied with Vineyard College. She was our pastor in training. And then she went into the most annoying thing. She went and got pregnant. Uh, <laughs> so that's just on hold for a little moment. Uh, she's completed it. She's graduated. She's finished. Um, and she's on maternity leave technically at the moment. And uh, she'll be coming back and joining our team again uh, in the future. But today she's dusting off the cobwebs. She's um, getting amongst it again. So I want to uh, welcome Natalie to come and take the mic. Would you welcome her with me? Come on. Go, you good thing. Thank you. No longer pregnant. Good, uh, everyone. Uh, can you stand with me for the reading of scripture this morning? Uh, today's text is a short one from Proverbs 2. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you, and understanding will keep you safe. Grab a seat. Well, kia ora, good morning. Uh, like Dan said, my name is Natalie, used to be on staff here, and um, then had my daughter Lena, which I am on maternity leave with. Someone said to me before, she's an objectively cute baby, and I don't know, quite know how to take that. You know, friends have to say that, but um, I think she's pretty, pretty cute. Uh, but having a baby is a pretty wild ride as the parents will know in the room. <laughs> Nothing quite prepares you for what lies ahead, uh, especially day to day. When I became a mum, I had these broad parenting values, you know, that I want to parent with love and with empathy and with patience. Uh, but it's not until you get to the daily, <laughs> the daily, you know, uh, daily grind um, that this gets put to the test. For example, I really want to embody the value of patience with my daughter. Uh, but when it takes her an hour to eat a few pieces of avocado, I really need to put that patience into practice. Uh, our parenting visions are just words until they get put into action, aren't they? Uh, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the practice of stewardship. There we go particularly how we value our money and handle it. Uh, like in parenthood, those grand big visions are just talk, isn't it, without putting it into practice. 
we have said that we have a grand vision, like Psalm 24, that Jesus has laid out this banquet feast table for us, and we are invited to join it. We step into the story of Psalm 24, which says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that includes our friends and our families and our lives and also our finances. And that's our grand vision. Life at God's table is a place where we have an abundance of everything that we need, even in a cost of living crisis like we're in. And so, like, the, like those overarching parenting values need to be put into patience, into practice for me uh, with those avocados, just so we need to start the slow work of living into this vision of abundance when it comes to money. So today, we're gonna have a look at some practical ways how we actually steward our finances as followers of Jesus. So, what equips me to do a talk like this? Uh, well, as Dan mentioned for the last couple of weeks, I, uh, myself and the team run a CAP Money course, um, which is basically a three-week course designed specifically to help people achieve their financial goals and feel more in control of their money. And second, uh, I am also a chartered accountant, which basically means I've had lots of conversations to people about how they spend their money uh, and how they can do that in a wise way. I've seen a bit of a range uh, from people on the brink of bankruptcy uh, to some others owning multiple yachts. Being an accountant also makes me someone who has talked to people about their money for a living, uh, so it makes a talk like this a little bit less awkward for me. Uh, which brings me to the real reason I think I'm up here. I think Dan just couldn't stomach doing a third talk about money. <laughs> uh, so today I'm putting my cat money coach meets accountant hat on uh, and we're going to get really practical. Uh, so strap in, uh, this might feel a little bit more like a workshop than a sermon today, but these are gonna be some best practices on how we handle our money. However, before we start, I just want to say this. Like riding a bike, we need to look up to find our balance. When we talk about money, it's easy to get bogged down in the ins and outs of income and expenses. Uh, so before we delve in, we just need to clarify our values and check where we're going. In the kingdom of God, money is not the biggest story. A few weeks ago, we've asked this question, if you had a list of priorities in life, what would be on them? What makes your heart burn? What are you riding towards? We've talked about two different worldviews when it comes to money. We've got the scarcity worldview, where there is never enough. So whatever we have, we need to cling on to tightly as possible. We have to reach for what we want. This worldview values hustling and striving. This is the posture of scarcity. It's a closed fist clinging on to all we have. But in the Psalm 24 abundance worldview, we see all that we have as a gift. Whether we have little or much, we respond with gratitude. In this vision in the kingdom of God, we have a different posture when it comes to money. In the kingdom, we value generosity. We wanna be people who can give freely. 
seeing all that we have as a gift from God. And in the kingdom, we value responsibility. We want to be people who live within our means well and use our money well. We don't want to be careless. We want to be intentional. So throughout this talk, this is our baseline posture. This will help us keep our balance on the bike. We hold our money open-handedly, guided towards our values of generosity and responsibility. Okay, everyone with me? Take a deep breath. Put your workshop hat on. Maybe take out something to take on some notes. And uh, let's get practical. Today we're gonna cover four practices when it comes to stewardship. We're gonna build your budget, we're gonna work your budget, we're gonna talk about your team, and we're gonna think about maintenance. So the first step to start practicing these values of generosity and responsibility is to build your budget. You heard me, budget. A word you may have thought you would never hear in church, never mind this church. And just saying that might evoke all sorts of feelings. It might feel overwhelming. It might feel daunting. It might feel awkward. And maybe you saw this was coming and now you're rolling your eyes. Come on, Nat. Boring. Big surprise, I'm a little bit of a nerd, so doing my budget gives us a bit of, me a bit of a kick each month. But from what I hear, they're not everyone's cup of tea. Whatever your initial response to the word budget, could you this suspend that just for a little while and allow me a minute to change your mind? Imagine a life where you don't really think about money. No, you didn't win the lotto, but only once in a while you sit down with your coffee in your favorite chair, you pull up your spending for the month and you check in how you're going. You pull up your laptop and see everything is tracking along nicely. You haven't overspent, and you even have a little bit of money left over. You know exactly what's coming in and what's going out, and you feel good about your spending because it aligns with your goals and your values. There's no guilt. You know exactly how much you're giving each month, and you feel aligned knowing you're living with generosity and responsibility. Consider this. Financial freedom is not the ability to spend what you want. Freedom is knowing the boundaries of your income and know your spending is aligned with your values. Freedom is the gift of a good budget. It brings relief from stressing about money and it frees you to spend your attention on the things that matter to you. The way to think about your finances less is to budget. Like we read in Proverbs this morning, wise planning will watch over you, understanding will keep you safe. Building your budget is like making a garden. You have your income, which are the borders of your garden, and your expenses, which needs to fit into those borders. And we've got different sort of expenses, don't we? We've got some that happen each week, like your rent or your groceries, and then some that might happen each month, like an insurance charge or maybe daycare. Uh, then you might have some expenses that happen annually, like Christmas uh, or maybe a car service. 
often we underestimate how much we actually spend on things. And so the best way to know is to go have a look in the most honest mirror that there is, our bank statements. As John Wimber said, show me what you spend your money on and I'll show you what you love. Simply put, you don't know what you love until you take a look. Before you can start planting in your garden, you need to clear the ground and have a good look at the soil. So take a look. Get out a few months of bank statements and write down all your income and expenses. When we do the cat money course, we classify these in eight categories. There's home, living, travel, family and pets, leisure, future needs, giving and debt repayments. Take a minute to consider these. What expenses do you have? Do they fit into these categories? Can you think of any that's not on the list? Slides you never thought you'd see in church, huh? <laughs> in the Cat Money course, we use an online tool uh, to consolidate all these expenses, but there's also a variety of apps that can help you do this really well. My favorite is called Wallet, but a simple Excel spreadsheet works just as well. When Ludwig and I did this for the first time, uh, we thought we were being reasonably smart with our money. And our graph came out looking something like this. Just about 40% on rent, 20% on living, and 28% on leisure. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw this. 28%. Uh, and most of that, I'm ashamed to say, was on takeaways and eating out. We were newly married, living in the city, and I, for one, wasn't very good at cooking. We also live right above Burgerfield on Custom Street, <laughs> which was very dangerous for uh, both our bank account and our general health. We thought we were being responsible, but our bank accounts told a different story. We weren't being careless, but we weren't being intentional. We hadn't stopped to budget to lay out the foundation of our garden. We weren't saving much, not giving much. Kind of just letting money happen to us. Does that look familiar? Is that your story? You're not in debt, getting by okay, um, but you're kind of just letting money happen to you. We weren't being careless, but we weren't being intentional. And as our graphs showed, we loved and valued good food. But we realized that without a budget, this will leave us in a place where we're not generous, we're not responsible, uh, we're not saving for the future, um, and we're in a place where we don't really want to be long term. So we made a fun rule for ourselves. We have to give away each month at least as much as we spend on eating out. And through doing that, we could still enjoy something that we loved. Uh, but we put boundaries around it and acknowledge that eating out is a gift, um, but with money we have to be responsible and we can see that as a gift. What will your bank statement show that you love? Is it clothes? TV subscriptions? Or maybe you're spending as little as you can, turning every penny over three times to maximize your savings. What does the soil in your garden look like? Do you know what you value? 
Because once you know where you spend your money, you can be empowered to decide where you want to spend it. So the next practice is to work your budget. Once you've built it, you know what the soil is like in your garden. Now you can start to work it. You know where you stand, you know what your limits are. You can't plant tomatoes in chalky soil. They just won't grow. But spinach, I hear, does great in it. How you work your budget depends on what you've got and what your starting point is. If your budget shows that you are in debt, then an important piece for you will be to move towards reducing that debt. This is going to mean you have fewer options for what the rest of the pieces in the garden will be. But this is the path to freedom. It'll mean taking a hard look at your expenses and your debts and making a plan to allocate your spending that over time those debts can be repaid. That might be a one-year plan or a five-year plan, but the important thing is that your needle, your dial is moving in the right direction. Maybe you're not in debt, but your budget shows that you're just making ends meet month to month. If this is you, the next click is to move to margin. Start thinking about whether you're intentional about your spending. Go through each item line by line and ask, does your spending reflect what you value, what your bike is riding towards? Or do you need to do a bit of reworking? In the CAP course, when we think about moving to margin, we ask three questions. Can we cut costs, do it cheaper, maybe shop around for an electricity provider or get a better deal on your phone? Can we cut back, do it less? Maybe instead of eating out uh, once a week, you can do this once a fortnight. Or can you cut it out? Don't do it at all. Is there a gym membership or a TV subscription that's just taking over the background that you're hardly using? The important thing is to evaluate what you're spending to align it with your priorities and see if there's a way to move towards more margin in your budget. And maybe you're sitting somewhere between making ends meet and generosity. Like that little man on the map, your star is saying, you are here, and you find yourself there. And I'm guessing that is quite a few of us in the room today. You have a little bit extra each month, but there's still a cost of living crisis going on in our country, and you wouldn't say you're in a position to be generous. And if this is you, I want to put to you today that your next click is to move to sacrifice. To say no to something, to say yes to generosity. In a scarcity mindset, our closed fist is clinging on to all that we have. But in the Old Testament, God's people gave the first and the best portions of their harvest as an offering to him. These were things like grain and oil and wine and honey. And through giving God the first fruits of their offering, the Israelites acknowledged that everything they had came from God. The earth was the Lord's, like Psalm 24 says. And looking at your life, moving to sacrifice will look different for each of us. Maybe this is starting by giving 1%, or maybe as you start, you match your generosity to eating out like we did. But whether you're a CEO or a student, in the kingdom of God, 
we are called to move to sacrifice, to give up something costly, like that widow at the temple did that we spoke about last week. It's a countercultural statement that we say yes to God and we trust in God. We resist the mainstream narrative that we don't have enough and we die a small death to declare that Jesus is our master, not our money. So, if this is you, I want to challenge you today. Can you move to sacrifice? Can you say no to something to say yes to generosity? And the key thing is, if this is a priority for you, you need to budget for it. Without intention, generosity won't happen. I say that with a big caveat, that if you're in debt, other than a mortgage or a car loan, something with high interest cost, we don't want you to be giving generosity. You cannot be generous out of debt. So if this is you, please don't give and feel free to come talk to me afterwards. Sign up for a Cat Money course or get in touch with one of these agencies because Jesus' vision for our lives is not to live in debt. All right, how are we tracking? Good. Thirdly, when we work our budget, it's very important to think about your team. If you're planting a budget with someone, a budget, a garden with someone else, the gardeners may have very different preferences. I love a beautiful orange gerbera, while Ludwig, my husband, can't stand them. <laughs> when you're working your budget with your spouse, chances are that your spending priorities might look a little bit different. Maybe you want to fix things around the house while your partner wants to save that money for a holiday. Maybe generosity comes easy to you. You're buying everyone lunches each week, but your partner feels like you need to rein it in a bit. There's so many variables that influence how we come to money. You know, our personality, how we were raised, our jobs, all sorts of things. And whatever your difference is, and I'm guessing there are some, here are some tips to practice good communication to figure out what your shared priorities are. One, pick a time you're both relaxed and rested. Nothing good happens at 10 p.m. at night. Maybe a Saturday morning. Make some coffee, sit down, allocate two hours, and chat about your priorities. What will you say yes to, and what will you say no to as a team? Two, avoid getting personal. Avoid phrases like, you always, or you never. You know how this goes. You always go overboard with spending on clothes. Or you never think about saving. Rather, take a deep breath, use I statements, say what your values are, and uh, listen to your partner. And third, assume positive intent. Start from the assumption that you're both trying to do the best for your family. Remember, you're a team, and working your budget is the obstacle and the challenge that you're trying to overcome together. And there's nothing you can't conquer as a team. And finally, once you have that budget which reflects your values and your priorities that you have, you need to maintain it. Just like a garden, you can't only work it once. Once you've built and worked it, uh, all the heavy lifting is done. 
You'll never again need to check the soil or plant the seeds, but you will regularly need to pull out some weeds and water your plants. And we call this part maintenance. It's the same with your budget. Once you've built it from what's actually there in your bank statements, you've worked through your expenses and cut down and cut out in line with your priorities, everything should be ticking along nicely. But every so often, you might need to come back, check back in, and make some small adjustments. To do this, you might need to make an event in your calendar. Once a fortnight, go on a budget date with your partner. Pick your favorite cafe, order a coffee, and review your spending by asking the following questions. Is it only us that do that, budget dates? It's only us, okay. <laughs> it's fun, guys. <laughs> and once you get on your budget date, you ask a couple of questions. Are we stewarding with generosity? Are we saying no to something to say yes to generosity? And are we stewarding with responsibility? Are we spending money on the things we prioritize? And are we sticking to our budget? To end, that was all a fire hose of content of information about money. And maybe that was all old news to you. You've been stewarding your finances with responsibility and generosity for years. And this was a good reminder with a couple of new nuggets of wisdom, perhaps. Or maybe you are someone who has never heard the word money talked about in church, and this has been a whole paradigm shift for you, and you're probably sitting here, can this talk just end, please? Or maybe that was all just a lot before you've had your second cup of coffee. I get that, I get it. That's all totally okay, take a deep breath, we're all at different spaces in this. The main point I want to land today is this. Stewarding our money is like cultivating a garden. To start out, we need to check the soil. Before you can think about stewardship, you need to ask, what's the soil like? Go have a look. Go see, go look in the honest mirror of your bank statements and see what's actually going on. Once you know what the soil is like, you can start planting. You can pick your seeds, plant your flowers, and know exactly uh, where you want to spend your money. Do the money, do the mahi, go through, decide on your priorities as a team, and think about what will you say yes to and what will you say no to. And finally, you need to maintain that garden. If you don't water them, your plants will die. You might think they'll be fine. They will not. Take it from me. Many a plant has died under my watch. Same with money. Every once in a while, sit down with your gardening team, check that everything's tracking, and make some changes if you need. So I want to end today by just asking you this. How's your financial garden? Is it overgrown and full of weeds? Do you need to strip it all back and just look at the soil? Or do you need to decide on some flowers and start planting? Wherever you are, I want to challenge you today to take the next step. Just like my parenting values of patience need to be put into practice, our stewardship values need to be put into action. Maybe you need to go pull out your bank statements. Maybe you need to go on that budget date. Maybe you need to revisit generosity.
My point is this, we can't say we're good stewards of our money without actually doing something. So, how's your garden? If something here today has clicked for you and you feel a nudge in your spirit to take a next step, we've got a few things coming up that we wanna invite you into. First, we've got a destitute gourmet class with Sophie Gray on Wednesday the 13th of September. Uh, Sophie will explain practical and effective way to help us shop and cook and eat and save money. Using her experience, she'll show us how to make food more interesting, healthy, and cost-effective, so you don't end up where we were, where you're eating out because you can't cook. So uh, tickets are $45 each uh, and 25 for students, but we have a number of sponsored tickets. So if price is at all a barrier for you and you wanna come along, please come and chat to me or email us. Uh, we really want you to be able to have a chance to learn from Sophie. Second, we've got a three-week Cat Bunny course starting from Wednesday the 11th of October. No matter where you are with your finances, uh, this course is designed to help you feel more in control of your money and it's a chance to sit down and start implementing some of these things that we've touched on today. There's no cost and there's also dinner provided if that's another motivator. So if you feel a nudge from the Spirit this morning, take the leap of faith and sign up for this course and come start putting those things into action. For both of those, you can just head to the website on the What's On page and sign up and we would love to see you there. So to end today, I just wanna come back and leave you once again with this question. How is your financial garden looking? What is your next step? What's the Spirit saying to you today? What's your garden like? Dan, if you want to come up and just wrap this all up for us. Why don't we say thank you to Natalie, eh? That was awesome. Well qualified. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Is anyone in the church the one with the multi-yachts? I need to have a talk to them. <laughs> no one here, okay. Right. Uh, Natalie's done a great job of just telling us about a couple of things that are coming up. I just want to show you, we've got a really busy month ahead at Central Vineyard. Now, if you are newer here or you've been missing out on some of the communication loops for us, uh, we have an Instagram, but to be honest, we're probably trying to get rid of that rather than feeding that at the moment because it's, it's not... It's not exactly like a really helpful space that we um, are actually affirming as a community. We're actually probably a little bit more anti-social media than pro it. But what we would like to do is have one thing that comes into your inbox once a week on Friday. It's called the Weekly Connector. It's the one point of communication we'd love everyone who calls this community home to be uh, receiving. So on our website, you can receive that. And if you got the Weekly Connector on Friday, you probably scrolled through it and went, there's a lot coming up. I just want to show you what's going on. We've got a prayer meeting on Monday night. That's tomorrow night. We've got our CV young adults kicking off with a mulled wine and movie evening. Is that correct, Francis? That's right, eh? on the 1st of September. We've got our worship whānau all in. If you're part of our worship community, if you do sound, if you are on AV, we would love you to be at that meeting on Thursday night. We've got a worship and prayer evening on the 10th of September. There's no Sunday morning gathering here on the 10th of September. 
We're only doing the worship and prayer evening that night as something different because we can't be here due to exams. Okay, so that's coming up. Here's the important one. Destitute Gourmet Class with Sophie Gray. That is on the 13th of September. We've got a bunch of tickets for that. We would love you to come. You might want to bring a work colleague or a neighbor or a friend. Like that's the kind of event that this is. It's a really fun night. Sophie's a great presenter. There's going to be food available on the evening for tasting and all sorts of stuff. And it's going to be really helpful. And there are some sponsored tickets. So we would love you to come. So if money is a barrier, please let us know. We would love to be able to um, help you get there. And we've got the Vineyard Youth Camp and we've got a Vineyard Conference coming up. Now, all of that to say, why am I throwing all of this at you? Because we want you to get the weekly connected to stay in touch. And then lastly, the what's on page on our website is where you can sign up for all of this. We want to just not have paper flying around on Sunday. We don't want to have flyers. We don't want to have things that are like that. But we want to also have a pathway so people can let us know they're coming to things and get there and signed up. It's the what's on page of our website. All right, so please use it. So even right now, as we finish today's gathering, if you want to come to Sophie Gray's Destitute Gourmet Night, jump on the What's On page, start buying your tickets, start getting registered. If you want a friend to come, flick them the link. Start being those kinds of people that pass the stuff around. That's our hub for this. It's the only hub for it. It's the only space we want to use. So please use it. We'd love to have you there. All right. Notice is over, details talk over. Natalie, that was amazing. Thank you so much for all those practical things. So helpful, so helpful. I may even go on a budget date by the end of the year. We'll see how we're going, all right? All right, that'll really spice things up for Gab and I. I know it will. Right, um, so what I want to do is I want to finish us by just sitting us in that wonderful psalm that we've been using for this whole series. If you're visiting today and these, this is all new to you, would love you to go to our podcast and listen to the first two talks of the series where we talked about what stewardship is and we talked about Jesus's view of money and then we talked about generosity last week. We'd love to invite you just to go check it out. All of the slides for our talks are always on our website. So if you had missed a slide, head to our website. We always put our slides up with our talks. You can get your slides there. But I want to just invite you as we finish, let's just sit in what has been the overarching message of this whole series. The earth is the Lord's and everything. And I want to invite you just to say a simple prayer with me. I introduced this on the first week of this series. We called it a breath prayer. A breath prayer is just a contemplative practice for the last 2,000 years of the church. That as you breathe in, you say one prayer. And as you breathe out, you say another. And so this is just the invitation today. It's just as we finish church, we breathe in and we just say, the earth is the Lord's. Just roll that into your mind. And as you breathe out and everything in it, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. As we breathe the abundant gift that you have given us, Lord, that's life itself. As we breathe this gift, the gift of life, we also breathe that scripture. We pray that scripture together. Lord, awaken our souls to see that truly the earth is yours and everything in it. And that we, we are just here to steward. We're here to have a loose grip on things. But as Natalie so beautifully pointed out today, a grip nonetheless. We have to have our hands open, open to be generous uh, givers, but also responsible holders. And so Lord, help us with our grip today. As we, as we sit ourselves in your great story of abundance, help us with the grip we have on money today, we pray. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Together the saints said, Amen.